If you would go ahead and turn your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3. Some of you are saying there's a book called Lamentations. Indeed there is. Uh, Lamentations is two books after Isaiah. It's right in between the book of Jeremiah and the book of Ezekiel. Lamentations 3 will be kind of a jumping off point this morning as we uh, think about certain things that never change. How, how many of you actually watched the ball drop for New Year's Eve? Did anybody stay up and watch the ball? I, I did not. I'll just tell you, I did not watch the ball. I was up. I was working on some seminary assignments, but I did not watch the ball drop. You know, I hear that several years ago, there was a young couple uh, and they were preparing to go to Times Square. They were not yet married. And as the, uh, the day came close to the big event, the girl turns to her boyfriend and she says, you know, just the other day I had the craziest dream. I dreamed that you bought me a big diamond ring. She says, what do you think that dream means? He says, I don't know, but why don't we see if we can find out when we go to Times Square. So they go to Times Square for the New Year's Eve celebration and as the ball drops for the new year, he pulls out a little box and opens it up and there's a diamond ring and he gets on his knee and he proposes to her and she is so happy and it's one of the most romantic things that she has ever experienced. Well, they were married for about 10 years, the first 10 years there, and, and they decided, after being married for 10 years, to go back to Times Square for an anniversary of when they got engaged. And on New Year's Eve Eve, the, the, the now wife turned to her husband. She says, you know, she says, I had the strangest dream. I dreamed that you got me a big diamond ring for a present. What do you think that means? And he says, well, I don't know, but let's go to Times Square and see if we can figure it out. Well, this time when it got ready for the ball to drop, you know, he took this box out and he handed it to her and uh, he, he gave her a hug and told her he loved her and she opened up the box expecting another diamond ring Instead, the box, inside the box was a book entitled How to Interpret Your Dreams for Dummies, right? You see, things had changed a little bit. You know, he didn't pick up on that cue quite as well, or maybe he did. He didn't respond quite the same way because things had changed in uh, 10 years of marriage. Now, I'm sure his love was the same, but, you know, sometimes people just, they just don't respond the same way to the same things all the time. And, you know, as we think about the fact that we're in a new year here in 2021, uh, here we are just coming out of 2020, and the story coming out of 2020 has been how many things have changed just in the last year. I mean, who would have thought a year ago that we would be wearing these little things into churches, into restaurants, and, and, and all over the place? You know, uh, people are working remotely. They're, you know, people have been working remotely for, for a while now, but more and more people are working from home. They're working remotely because of the dangers associated with unnecessarily gathering during this pandemic. The movie industry is different. Some movies have been 
have been postponed. Other movies are being released on streaming platforms instead of the movie theaters because the movie theaters have been closed for a long time. Uh, going to restaurants is different. You've, you've got to wear a mask at least until they bring you something to eat or drink. And so, uh, and that's to minimize just, just the open air exposure. But it's different. You know, many people have had to see their doctors this year through a uh, through a, the mechanism that they call telehealth, where maybe you were sitting at a computer screen and, and talked to your doctor via a computer screen. Courts have had to practice online. They, you know, people that have had court dates, many of them unable to go to a court in person, but instead are, uh, are, are, are looking at a video camera and a screen. Uh, many schools have shut down this year uh, because of the COVID crisis. Many students still, even though schools are reopened in many states, many students still doing work online or at least partially online. College students are doing things almost exclusively online in many universities. Parents are juggling jobs, you know, they're, they're figuring out how to, how to do their job and how to make sure their kids are taken care of and doing their schoolwork and learning what they need to learn. Teachers and people that work at, at schools have tried to, had to figure out how to do online education. They, they did that last year and now this year they're figuring out, okay, I, I'm going to do online education and teach kids in the classroom and they're juggling things. There are a lot of things that are different just in the last year, just in 2020. On a positive note, uh, Israel, which has had very hostile relations to, for, with nations around them for a long time, Israel has normalized diplomatic relations with some nations that were they were once hostile to. Uh, there, the, the Bahrain, the Sudan, the United Arab, Arab Emirates, if I say that right, uh, setting aside generations of hostility. But many people probably are unaware of that because that's not really been, been publicized very much in our media. Instead, much of the coverage in 2020 has went to uh, racial tensions that have flared partially due to the, the discrimination and unjustifiable brutality that has been experienced by some, but also some of it's just due to just combating political and ideological agendas and thoughts about what life is all about. And somewhere in there, 2020 was a presidential election that was and is still fiercely being contested. And that has divided our country all the more. And on top of all of that, in our just just our social cultural situation, many people have lost loved ones due to COVID, also due to other horrible diseases. People are still dying of things like cancer and heart disease and, and, and automobile accidents. Still, a lot of things have changed for a lot of folks in. 2020. If you watch the documentaries and the news, uh, you know these are the stories that you are likely to hear. As 2021 begins, and all the all the news, a lot of the news is about how many things have changed and how things are so different. This morning, I want to hit a hit the pause button on all of that 
And I want to remind you of three things that never change. In an ever-changing culture, there are three things that never change. And we're going to see that here uh, alluded to here in Lamentations chapter 3. We're going to read verses 22 through 24. And then we'll skip down and read verse 57. Okay, so 22... 23 and 24, and then skip down to 57. It says this, Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in Him. And then in verse 57 you come near when I call on you, and you say, do not be afraid. Father, we pray this morning, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, encourage us and challenge us through the word of God. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fall upon this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, no matter what happens in the world that we live in, Regardless of what changes in our culture and how people's opinions change, there are certain things that will never change. Number one is this, God's character. Three things that never change, God's character. If you look there at verses 22 and 23, we see it says, For his mercies never end, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And in verses 22 through 24, we see, uh, we see references to God's character, references to, to who God is. And I, I put a list of them up on the board for you. Uh, just some of the, th the things that just this Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 and 57 all of these things are just, just that. Those four verses, we see all of these things about God alluded to in those verses that God is loving. Now, if you're reading from King James, verse 22 says uh, that it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions they fail not. Okay, and so uh, and so the reason why there's the word love or faithful love in a modern translation instead of the word mercies, which the King James uses, you have to understand that mercy comes from God's love. But that word, that Hebrew word that's translated here in King James and many times in the King James Old Testament, it's translated as mercies. It's that word that is that unique word that describes God's unique love. That word we've talked about in the past, the Old Testament word, kesed. It is a word that, uh, uh, that, that exclusively describes the, the unfailing and faithful love of God. It's a word in Scripture that is used to describe the love that is only offered by God. It's like the agape word in the New Testament. Kesed is very similar to that in the Old Testament. It's the kind of love 
that can only be given by a perfect God. It is perfectly faithful. You can depend on it. Folks, we, we need to understand that nobody will ever love us like God. No one will ever love you the way that God loves you because no one else is able to love you the way that God does. God is loving. He has a faithful love. That, that is a very unique, uh, never-failing kind of love. Also, we see that God is called faithful. It talks about his faithfulness. That word that's translated as faithfulness right here in this passage, that, that means he's trustworthy, he's strong, he's like, like the house that's built on the solid ground. You can build your life on him. That is his character. That's, that's part of who he is. He is faithful. He's merciful, which means when God is merciful, it means that he is willing to save us or spare us from that which we deserve. Mercy is when, when you are spared a punishment that you deserve. And God is merciful. He is ready to bestow mercy upon those who come to him through faith in Christ. He's eternal. That means that he was here in the beginning and he will be here in the end. He is infinite. He has no beginning and no end. He is God. He is renewing. His, his mercies are new every morning. He, he, he is a God who seeks to renew us, renew our heart, to renew our minds and our spirits. And then I have the word inspiring because he says the Lord's my portion, so my, my hope is in him. He is one that gives hope. He inspires us. So what does it mean to, to be inspired and have hope on God? Well, that means that we have a certain confidence about what we have been told, that what God has told us about himself, what we see in the word of God, what we've experienced in our personal relationship with him and we have a certain confidence in the fact that he is in control that no matter what happens we can trust in him and in hope that there is a life beyond what we are experiencing on this earth and in that life that is in the sweet by and by that is a life that is better than any life that we can experience here on this planet. Folks, that is the God that we are talking about. These are, these are some of the characteristics of who he is. These are ways to describe his character because he has impeccable character. Regardless of what happens in this world, one of the things that will never change is the character of God. It will never change. I was talking to a college student the other day, and the student told me that they were probably going to change their major in college. Well, that's no big surprise, because, because the average college student changes their major two to three times. The average college student. I think I changed my major three times. Uh, and so, listen, it's just, a, it's just an illustration to remind us that people change. We change as people. We change our minds. 
Sometimes our character, many times our character changes. Sometimes it changes for the better. Sometimes it does not. But how many of you are the same person today that you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever it might be? How many of you in here today think that you're going to be the same person 20 or 30 years from now than you are today? The reality is, is that people change. But at the same time, we have to, we have to remember that God's character will never change. We might change, but God never changes. Charles Spurgeon once said, those you have changed a thousand times, he, talking about God, has not changed once. We're reminded of this in Scripture in James 1.17, where it says that with God, with Christ, there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. Say, so what does that mean? That means he doesn't change. He doesn't waffle around. Hmm, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do about this. I'm not really sure what I think about this. Uh, you know, he does not change. He is who he is. He is the Lord God Almighty, and he has impeccable character. Hebrews 13 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that reaches out to hearts today is the same Jesus that was reaching to, out, to, out to people in the New Testament. The same Jesus that was walking and, and healing the blind and healing the sick and helping the people who were crippled be able to walk and raise the dead and change hearts with his teaching. That is the same Jesus who in heaven, through the Holy Spirit, reaches out to us today. We have to understand there are certain things that are never going to change. Number one is God's character. But number two is God's word. Verse 57, prophet Jeremiah says, You come near when I call on you and you say, Do not be afraid. We see the prophet Jeremiah goes back to that which God has already said to him. Why? Well, because God's character doesn't change and his word doesn't change. His promises are just the same today as they were in Jeremiah's day when Lamentations was written. His, his views on the world and morality and all of these things are just the same today as they were when Christ walked the earth. We live in a day, listen, when, when things are changing all around us. I mean, think about the technology changes. Smart TVs, smartphones, smart devices. I, we were shopping for a refrigerator a couple years ago, and I, I remember seeing this one refrigerator that had like a TV on the door. I'm really not even sure. I mean, do people stand and watch YouTube on their refrigerator? I'm not really sure why, but you, you could connect it to the internet and pull up YouTube, okay? Uh, you know, the, the refrigerator though had all these little smart features to it. There are smart lights, smart thermostats. You, there, there are cars that can drive themselves. Have you, have you seen the commercials for the cars? They're parking themselves right now. That's becoming a feature that they're 
that they are putting on more and more vehicles both this year and in the years to come. It probably in 10 years it may even be a standard feature. I don't know. But a car, literally you can push a remote and the car will park itself and it will back itself out of, out of a tight spot so you can get in. Okay? The world is changing. We have the world at our fingertips through the internet and, and uh, all, all the things that we have access to. Now there's so much more for people to explore. We have access to more ideas and more, more cultures. And because of that, sociologists tell us that all this, all this extra access and being connected all around the world all the time has has had an impact on our values and our customs and our beliefs and all that is true. The world is different. The world has changed just in the last 10 years. It's changing before our very eyes. But one thing that has not changed and will never change is the Word of God. The Word of God is still the Word of God. It says what it says and it means what it means. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. The word of our God remains forever. You see, people and ideas will come and go, and the world will continue to spin, and time will continue to tick, but that which is the word of God stands forever. Ever. People think God's word is old fashioned today. They say it's outdated. Some say it's not relevant. Friends, they don't know how relevant it is. God's word will stand forever. It's faced oppositions and challenges in the past, friends. It's been banned throughout the ages. It's endured times of tragedy and triumph in the world. It's outlasted governments and politicians. Think about the, the, the Roman persecution of the Christians for the first 300 years A.D. We see that the Roman emperor Diocletian in A.D. 303 demanded that every copy of scriptures in the Roman Empire be burned. That was his decree. And by the way, if you didn't do what the emperor said to do, you know what happens to you? If you're lucky, you just get your head cut off, okay? But more than likely, they may just burn you at the stake on, you know, just to light the, the streets up at night. Okay, those are the, that's, that's what happens when you disobey a Roman emperor in those days. But, you know, his efforts to have the word of God failed. 25 years later, a new emperor was installed, and this emperor was a Christian. His name was Constantine, and he commissioned a scholar named Eusebius to prepare 50 copies of the Bible at the government's expense. See, the Word of God will outlast governments and politicians, and it will outlast and endure attacks from pop culture. In 1778, the uh, French uh, author Voltaire, poet and author and skeptic, who was very critical of Christianity, he, he died in 1778, but before he died, he said that a hundred years from the time of his life, 
He predicted that Christianity would be swept from existence and passed into history and that the Bible would be a forgotten book. But somehow that didn't happen as Voltaire predicted. But instead, many years after his death, a group called the Geneva Bible Society used his own press in his house to produce stacks of Bibles. See, the Bible will outlast pop culture as well. It will outlast critics. Psalm 119.89 says, Lord, your word is forever. And it is firmly fixed in heaven. You see, it's something that, that, that God is protecting. Because it is the truth of who God is. The word of God is important because it shows us who we should be. It shows us who to worship. It, it, it demonstrates for us the love of God. It shows us our purpose in life. It gives us strength for the, for the, the days of difficulty. We can go to the word of God just like Jeremiah did in Lamentations and say, Lord, I've cried out and you have said to me, do not be afraid, and we can draw strength from that. A.W. Tozer is a Christian uh, theologian, and he wrote in one of his works, he said this about the Word of God. He said, whatever God felt about anything, he still feels. Whatever he thought about anyone, he still thinks. Whatever he approved, he still approves. Whatever he condemned, he still condemns. Today, we have what they call a relativity of morals. But remember, this God never changes. Holiness and righteousness are conformity to the will of God, and the will of God never changes for moral creatures. We are living in a world where it seems that people think that because the morality of moral human beings may change, their values may change, they're, they're saying, well, the word of God should change in order to keep up with me, but that's not how it works, folks, okay? The word of God and God himself does not exist to keep up with you and me and what we think. In fact, he exists to show us who we are to be. We are trying to keep up with him and keep up with what he thinks and and what we think should reflect what he thinks. And that is why we have the word of God. One of a, a great theologian of the modern era just died maybe in the last 10 years. Chuck Colson uh, said this about the Bible. He said, the Bible banned, burned, beloved. More widely read, more frequently attacked than any other book in history. He said, generations of intellectuals have attempted to discredit it. Dictators of every age have outlawed it and executed those who read it. Yet soldiers carry it into battle, believing it more powerful than their weapons. Fragments of it, smuggled into solitary prison cells, have transformed ruthless killers into gentle saints. Folks, we seek the will of God by reading the Word of God. We seek the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is? Dig into the Word of God. 
You want to know what God thinks about a particular issue? Look it up in the Word of God. Some may say, well, there are certain things that the Word of God doesn't talk about because there are certain things te technologically that, that, that we have today, certain moral concepts that we're considering today that maybe they didn't talk about or consider in those days. Well, friends, even if the Bible doesn't specific, specifically address a specific issue, that does not mean that the principles of God's Word cannot be applied. There are principles in God's Word that will address every single issue in your life. You want to know the will of God? Read the Word of God. Because there are three things that never change. Number one is God's character. Number two is God's Word. And number three is God's salvation. Jeremiah says... The Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. Uh, we understand that, that salvation and our hope for a right relationship with God comes exclusively from the God of the Bible. That's what Jeremiah understood. He knew that salvation comes exclusively from the God of the Bible. That's why he says God my hope is in you. You are everything. The Lord is my portion. He's saying, God is everything to me. And my hope is in nothing less but his, his Jesus Christ's righteousness. He, he understands that there is no other hope. And so, as we think about that, I wonder, as Jeremiah understood that Salvation comes exclusively from the God of the Bible. Do we understand that? Do you understand that? Those of us that are watching from abroad, all of us in this room, have we repented of our sins? Have we put our faith in Jesus Christ? See, sociologists tell us that people in the United States today are very spiritual. Now, not as many of them are necessarily necessarily professing Christians, but many, many people and the young people in our culture today are interested in spiritual things. They are spiritual. They understand there's something beyond what we see on this earth, but the, the, the reality is, is that although they're very spiritual, there's not as many of them who are professing Christians. And even those who profess Christianity may or may not be a Christian because being a, a, a true Christian, being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ is more than just checking a box or filling in a bubble saying, I, I consider myself to be a Christian. It goes deeper than that. A Christian is a person who believes that Jesus is, is, is God the Son who died on the cross for the sins of the world, and because of that belief, that person has repented of their sin, surrendered their heart to Christ, and committed their life to following and serving Christ as directed by the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. That is really what it means to be a Christian. It starts with the belief. Yes, Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I believe He died on the cross for my sins. And I believe 
that that was good enough to pay my sin debt, that he was, he, he died in my place. I believe that. And because of that, I'm repenting. Because I realize that of, of my, my sins, the things I have done wrong, I realize my need for a Savior, and I am surrendering and committing my heart to him. It all starts with Jesus. Acts 4 tells us, that there is salvation in no one else for no, one, no other name under heaven is given to people and we must be saved by it. There is no salvation in, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to people and we must be saved by it. You cannot be saved by any other name. It is the name of Jesus Christ. It's not the name of of, of, of a religion. It's not even in the name of Christianity. It's in the name of Christ. Okay, a Christian is someone that's believed in the name of Christ. It's not in the name of a church or a denomination. Hey, I'm a member of such and such Baptist church. I'm a good Southern Baptist person. Well, amen. I'm, 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 I'm happy. Okay, good. Come to church. I love that you're here. But salvation is not found in church membership. It's found in a relationship with Christ. It's not found in any other name. It can't be found in, in, uh, in Muhammad or Gandhi or, or um, Taoism or Buddhism or Hindu, very, variation of Hinduism. It, it, it's not found in, in any other name but the name of Jesus Christ. Salvation is not found in the name of Joseph Smith. It's not found in the name of Charles Taze Russell. It is found in the name of Jesus Christ in Christ alone. That's what Jesus himself, himself said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. <laughs> He's the only way. And he has made a way for you. He's made a way for me. If you've never received him into your heart, you can do that today. I'd love to talk to you about that. If you're watching online, send us a message. Let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know if, if you'd like to talk about what it means to be a Christian. I would love to do that. If you're here this morning, in just a moment, we're going to pray, and then we're going to have a, a time of reflection, and the altar will be open if you want to come and pray. You know, the other day, uh, we were watching the first Avengers movie. Uh, we kind of been watching some of those movies lately, and uh, there's, this, there's this scene on the first Avengers movie where uh, Captain America's on this plane. You know, you know how it goes, by the way, on these movies. There's the good guys. The, you know, these are superheroes. They're chasing the bad guys. And, you know, all this is going on, you know, all, how all that goes. And Captain America is on this plane with another guy. And he's, a, he's another good guy. And he's saying, hey, we've, we've got your, your suit ready. We're ready to go get those bad guys. We're, we've got it all, all ready for you. we got your suit. we got the stars and the stripes. And, you know, we're ready to go. And Captain America kind of looks at him and he says, well, don't you think that's a little old-fashioned, you know, uh, the stars and stripes? Don't you think that's a little old-fashioned? And the other good guy, the agent kind of looks at him and he says, well, with everything that's happening and the things that are about to come to light, people might just need a little old-fashioned. 
See, folks, three things never change. God's character, God's word, and God's salvation. And that might sound a little old-fashioned to some people, but we still need some of the things that are old-fashioned. Let's pray.